Well, good morning and welcome to the Hills Church. Let me also start by saying happy Father's Day to all the dads that were, are out there. We'll come back in, in a little bit and talk about that as well. Hey, if you're just joining with us, make sure you get everybody up and you're gathering wherever you gather in the living room and the outside in a room. You can go to our website, you can download the message notes for today, and if you have children in the house, you can download the kids activity guide. You know, typically in service on Father's Day, we hand out some type of king-size candy bar to all of the dads. In fact, I remember we did the big, large payday bar, and so our play of words was we wanted to give every dad that day in service an extra, right, say it with me, payday. So that was what we ran off of. The other one we did, though I have a little skinny one here, is we gave everybody a king-size um, hundred grand so we told everybody we're going to give you a hundred grand for Father's Day. We did one, uh, the Big Hunk Bar. So this morning we were up early and my family wanted me to open a gift. And I opened up the most beautiful Hawaiian shirt print that I had seen. And I couldn't wait to wear it today until I lifted up the shirt and I saw the size that they picked out. And I thought... Good Lord, look at the size of that thing. I put it on and the button went straight out. I thought, this is like a car cover. This isn't a, a shirt. So anyways, uh, I think they decided to get me some type of king size shirt, uh, but unfortunately it didn't fit. I didn't get to wear it today. So ho hopefully every one of you dads out there are having a, a great Father's Day um, the great thing about Father's Day for all of us that we'll reflect on today, even in our message, is that we all have a heavenly Father. Jesus is going to direct that to us today in the scripture. So if you'll open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, this summer we're going through a series called Summer Stories but the stories that we're looking at are the parables of Jesus. And Jesus would use a parable, which really is a, a short story, to communicate something that people would remember, some type of uh, example in their community or culture. But then he would connect it to a heavenly promise or a heavenly meaning so that everything earthly connected to uh, his kingdom. So my, my message today is out of Luke 15, and we're going to primarily look at the prodigal son, and my title today is The Father Ran. The Father Ran. You know, the prodigal son, when you mention the word prodigal, a lot of people, even if they don't know their Bibles, understand that there was a story in the Bible about a prodigal. And really the word prodigal means wasteful. The prodigal son, wasteful living. So people remember the prodigal, they'll remember Jonah, they remember David, they'll remember Jesus. And so even in this one story uh, is one that people remember. But here's what I don't want you to do. Don't tune out if you know the story of the prodigal son, because that's not the whole story just when you think you can recite exactly what he did. 
Let's look into God's word today and let's do this. In Luke chapter 15, verses one through three, this sets up the parables of Jesus as he connects the parables uh, to something of kingdom, a message. But here's what sets it up. Luke 15, one through three, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him. Now notice what he says, the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him and the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them saying, notice what happened. The tax collectors get lumped right in to all the sinners. They're coming to hear Jesus. The Pharisees, those religious leaders of the day, um, are pointing at Jesus and they're like, look, this man, he eats with these people. He talks with these people. And so Jesus is going to go on with a few parables. Notice this though, they wanted nothing to do with those people. But Jesus in three short stories, we're only gonna look at one today, in three short stories is going to show us the heart of our heavenly father. And the first one, he's gonna go after the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 to get the one. He's gonna give us that example of the lady that she loses a coin and she does everything she can. She turns the house upside down in order to find that coin because it's a value. And then what we're gonna read today is we're gonna notice that the father is going to run the moment the son is coming back on his property, the father will run. So let's pick this up, verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. And I wanna look through verse 24 because the story does go on, but for today, I'm gonna to look at the story of this prodigal son. And Jesus uses this parable and he says, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living, wasteful living, prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But, verse 17, when he came to himself. One of the most important parts, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, is this one. And when you see that word, but, it's what's important that comes right after. He came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Let me read that verse again, verse 20. And he arose and came to the father, but when he saw that he was still a great ways off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Notice what he says. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Well, let let me just pull out um, a couple very noticeable parts in this verse, but I really want to focus in right towards the end, that celebration of the prodigal son. Now, culturally, here is what the son said to the dad. Dad, I wish you were dead so that I could have my inheritance. Think about that. Dad, I I wish you were dead so that I could have the money that's due to me. But if you notice what the Bible says, both of the sons received their inheritance. And we'll look uh, in another week at the response of the other son. But would you ever say that to your parent? Man, I I wish you died so that I could have my inheritance. I I wish you were out of the way so that I could have your car. I wish you were gone so that I could have your house. I mean, that talk about a a bold example Jesus is using. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, in fact, you can look it up later, verse 15 through 21, it it lays out that the oldest son or the firstborn, the firstborn would receive a double portion of, of the inheritance. So if you're in a home with other people, like look at the firstborn, that's that's how it was, right? You're probably gonna give them a little bit different look. The firstborn would receive a double portion, but what's interesting in that verse, it says that a stubborn, rebellious, glutton, and drunkard of a son would be stoned to death. That's back in the law. So remember, Jesus is giving this example to the Pharisees that really wondered why he was hanging out with the people that he did, that this story should have invoked to them the scriptures of the Old Testament to kind of know how this story would play out. But the far country that this son goes to, you know what it reminds us of? It's simply anywhere somebody goes to get away from God. 
You know, you can't get away from him. You can be in the belly of the whale, but God sees. You can try to get in a distant land, but God sees. There's nowhere that you can go. There's no far country that you can get away where you run away from God. And yet what we read in this story is whatever inheritance he got, he must have gathered himself with friends. And here's what we know. He wasted all of his inheritance. You know, there was an article done by Ohio State University by one of their professors, Jay Ziganori. He found that one third of people who receive an inheritance had a negative savings within two years of that event. The people that just received it, and because we all probably know somebody, in fact, I bet you can think of somebody right now that they received some inheritance and instead of investing or doing something wisely, they did exactly what this prodigal son did. They went out and they were wasteful with everything because it was something that they didn't earn. They didn't respect. You know, we get that picture in the story that now this prodigal son is at the place that everybody else gave up on him. Everybody was his friend when he was paying for whatever he was paying for. Everybody was his friend, but when the money went out, everybody dried out, everybody went away, and now he's left all alone in a district country. He squandered everything that was given to him. He's cut himself off from his father, from his family, from everything that he's ever known, and the only thing that he can do is to now feed pigs. And in the mind of a Jewish person, if you remember, the pig, the swine, is an unclean animal. So now he's he's the lowest of the low, low, feeding these pigs. And he's even thinking, man, what I'm feeding these pigs looks good because I have no food. But as we read in the scripture, in verse 17, what becomes so powerful is he comes to himself. You know, the Bible gives us many examples, we won't go into it, of the change that takes place in people when they come to themselves. The madman of Gadara, when Jesus delivers him of over 2,000 demons, and the Bible says that he was sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. It's that example of him coming to himself. So this prodigal son comes to himself. And here's what I always think is so powerful in that relationship to this parable, in the relationship with God to us, is the moment that you start home, the moment that you go back to God, the moment that you get back on that path, he'll meet you there. The moment that you come to yourself, he's right there ready to meet you. In fact, if we go through this, it is a picture Uh, a great picture of repentance for us because as we follow this story, it's the best example of what repentance actually means. It's, It's a word that means to change. And it means, repentance means going a different direction or we would use the phrase, doing a complete 180 turning around from where you are going and going back to the direction that you need to go. Repentance is a change. 
And we find that this younger son comes to the point where he comes to himself and he's going to start having a conversation with himself. But let me say this. Let's never get to the place where we're like this son, where we're out feeding the pigs helpless. There's nothing else to do when we come to ourselves. Let's make it a point that every day we come to ourselves. Every moment we're, we're making sure that we're checking our heart so that we're in that relationship that where our hearts, the Bible says, are prone to wander, come to ourselves every day so that we don't wander away. Now, when, when you read this scripture, he's uh, in the story, he's probably thinking, you know, I'm gonna rise, I'm gonna go to my father's house and I'm gonna say, Father, I've sinned against you. And he's gonna remember, man, even if I could just be a servant of my father, they have bread to eat. Notice he's thinking, I'll just have something to eat. They have food. I bet you he's rehearsing this apology. I'm not worthy to be here. I'm not worthy to be your son. I squandered your hard-earned money. Would you just hire me as one of your servants? I bet his hope is, just take me in as a servant so that I can have something to eat. Well, the Bible says when we read it that when he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to him. That example of that compassion of his heart, that the father wasn't just going to wait on the porch with his arms crossed. The father made the posture of running to him. That compassion he runs. The Bible says he falls on his neck or he grabs his neck and he kisses him. Now, let me ask you this. This guy, that example of being with the pigs and feeding the pigs and smelling like the pigs, I can imagine what this guy smelled like when his father wrapped his arms around him and kissed his neck, but it refers to nothing in this parable of how the son was. It was the beauty of this son who was coming home and the father would embrace him. In fact, the smell went away because the son is home. It reminds us in this parable that God never takes his eyes off of us. And he's not just sitting in heaven waiting. God is always active. God is always speaking. God is always using people across our path. He always comes through. He always delivers. You know, in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 4, here's one of these verses that we look at to say, boy, this was a definite prophetic picture of even just this parable. And it says, and he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I'll clothe you with rich robes. Psalm chapter 103, verse 13, says this, like a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord gives compassion to those that fear him. The thinking of the prodigal son, I'm not worthy to be called your son, that's, that's what I'm gonna rehearse. I'm not worthy, hire me as a servant. He gets the best robe 
right? That's what the Bible says. He gets the best robe. He gets a ring put back on his finger, an example back then of those times of authority over the household. He gets shoes placed on his um, feet. His authority is back, and you know what it does? It also will silence the town from talking about, yeah, did you hear about this kid? He got all of his dad's bed for the money, went spent it all, and the dad took him back. But the dad brings him back with his authority returned, his position returned. He would silence all of those, the naysayers out there. But, but let me look lastly at this thing. In verse 15, Jesus uses this parable as an example, and yet he says these words out of the New King James he says, this prodigal joined himself to a citizen of the country, which means this, he now became a servant of somebody else in this strange country, and that person made him feed, feed the pigs. The Amplified says this, in fact, the Amplified will use the exact Greek word that would have been in the original language. So he went and forced himself upon one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed the hogs. The forced himself is the Greek word glued. Or he glued himself. He submitted himself to somebody to become a servant who sent him to feed the swines. Or the thought is this that he would never be worthy ever again of coming back to the father's house or the father's place. And so he would now glue himself to somebody else to serve them, even if it meant to be the lowest of the low of the low. Do you know when the son says in the scripture, when the son says to him in verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Do you know the in the parable, the father doesn't respond to that comment? Here's what we read in that parable that happens in verse 22. The father says, but the father says to the servant, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, put sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. The father didn't even respond to that. The father already had in his heart that he was going to restore this son back to his original authority, robe, ring, sandals. But here's what becomes powerful in this parable. Remember, the things that Jesus speaks in this parable, he's speaking these things unto those Pharisees that are really wondering why he's eating and hanging out with the tax collectors in sinners. He would teach by parables. He would get away with the disciples and others and explain these parables. But, you know, we read this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And this is about us. It's about those times when we come to God saying those exact things. And yet, here's what God already did in preparation for when we receive Him. But God demonstrated His own love towards us. In while, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In that while, when we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. You know, the, the son gives this plea, I'm not worthy. The dad does, doesn't even comment on it, but he suits him up, robe ring sandals, and he kills the fatted calf. Isn't it interesting when we read this that the celebration of the return of the son happens when the sacrifice of the fatted calf begin? There was no celebration until the slaughtered fatted calf and then they would be merry. Isn't that interesting to think when we read that verse that before we even came to Jesus, there was a sacrifice that took place. The celebration starts after the sacrifice, after Jesus's sacrifice is when we come to him and empty ourselves out and believe and confess and receive him as Lord. And just like that example, those things that had been lost where we would say, I'm just happy to be a servant. He wants to restore all of those things that were lost right back into our life. You know, in Luke chapter 15, verse 32, um, this is also said. It says, uh, the dad says this in response to the son, the other brother. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, I think one of the takeaways, there's many, and even if you've read this, maybe today this is the first time you've ever heard the whole story, or maybe you've read this over and over and over and over again, but it's important to know that God's word is active and it's alive and it's speaking, and it reminds us of this, that the greatest Father's Day gift It's not a shirt, it's not golf clubs, it's not new fishing gear, it's not a new barbecue, it's not letting dad leave and go do whatever he's want. The best one is to be in relationship with your heavenly father. Every father out there wants their kids, the number one most important thing, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let him be your savior, your Lord. Look at what he'll do and to restore your life. Look at how he's already speaking into your life. Know that he's already going before you and he's making crooked places straight, but have a deep and meaning and active relationship with your heavenly father. You know, today, and it's always hard when we celebrate days, Mother's Day, Father's Day, because everybody has a different example in a different picture, whether growing up with, without, or the reality of today. But let me make it clear for all of us. All of us have a heavenly father that is watching, listening, attentive, moving, providing, looking out for, into our tomorrow, always looking out after us. As earthly fathers, We always have that bit in our heart. We wanna make sure that we set our kids up and we wanna do whatever we can to help them. But you know who does a way better job than any of us? Is our Heavenly Father. And each and every one of us has the Heavenly Father pictured for us in this parable 
that the moment we come to ourselves or come to our senses, he's ready to run with that heart of compassion and grabbing us by the neck and kissing us on the neck and throwing on a robe and putting on a ring and putting on sandals and quieting the the noise of the crowd around. And we remember, though, it was because of the sacrifice that the Heavenly Father did to his son, Jesus, that when we read these things, it's the greatest Father's Day gift. And we've read it two different times. Luke 15, verse seven says, but I say to you, Jesus uses this to those Pharisees. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. You know, I get asked all the time about events in heaven. Here's what we do know. When somebody accepts Jesus as Lord, heaven rejoices. I don't know if there's a bell that rings. I don't know if there's some loud intercom. I don't know if there's some huge screen, but let me let you know, people are aware when people accept Jesus as their savior because they rejoice. You know, if you're listening today, whether you're watching us uh, live or you caught this up later, you're listening to a podcast, the most important thing that you can do today as we celebrate Father's Day is to make sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life and that you have a heavenly father that's very active in your life. And we always end with this, with our live stream, is giving you that opportunity to pray and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In fact, I'd like you to pray uh, this along with me as Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, we confess it with our mouth, we believe it in our heart, and we know that Jesus rose from the dead and it lets us know that we'll be saved. In fact, pray this with me, ready? Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, for a lot of people, they say, I made a private, personal decision. But, but I believe Jesus would say, no, you need to act on that. And I would encourage you to reach out to us. Shoot us an email. Info at hillschurcharcadia.org. Shoot us an email, uh, an email. Reply back on our Facebook, on YouTube. That's the most important decision that you'll ever make in life. You've been now connected eternally with your heavenly father through Jesus Christ, your Lord, and we wanna connect with you. Well, before we close today, uh, we wanna give you an opportunity to to, uh, give unto the Lord with your tithes and offerings. And I wanna read this one verse today in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it? 
and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? Numbers lets us know that example. God is not a liar. God is not one that's ever had to repent. If he says it, he will do it. If he speaks of it, he's going to make sure that he makes good on what he says. He says that he will be our provider. He says if we give, that he'll give back unto us good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Let's pray this prayer today. Ready? As I give in today's offering, I stand on the reliability of God's word. God's word is perfect, trustworthy, and supernatural. It is God's voice into my life. I believe that God's promises in the scripture are for me, and by faith I believe them and I stand on them. I will manage all of my resources according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And if you're giving today, you can go on our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the give button. It's safe and it's secure. Or if you're mailing uh, anything in, you can mail it to the Hills Church 66149 Arcadia, California 91066. And we thank you for your prayers and your support. But before we close, I want to pray for all of our fathers, our dads that are out there. In fact, I read this uh, funny story and maybe maybe some of you can equate, you can remember this as a, a child that you were once ago. So a dad asked his, uh, his son, let me see your report card. And the son said, well, I don't have it. And the father said, why not? And the son said, well, my friend borrowed it because he wanted to scare his parents tonight. Well, all of us probably remember something that we did uh, as a child on one of those situations. But let's pray uh, for all of the dads out there and let's pray dads for your kids. I wanna pray that every prodigal that's even out there, that they would have their come to Jesus moment and that they would return to their heavenly father. So Lord, we pray today, we thank you for the strength of men in our nation, our communities, in our school. We thank you for these dads. And Father, I, I thank you that the Holy Spirit teaches them and gives them insight on every single one of their children and their grandchildren and maybe some their great-grandchildren. I thank you that these men are men that pray and they believe you over their children and humbly come to you and follow your ways. And Father, we pray for all of those prodigal children out there, sons and daughters, those that maybe have wandered to a far land away from God. We pray today that they come to themselves and that they return to the Lord and that they would find that their God will come to them running and embracing them and bringing them into his family. That's our Father's heart. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we do uh, always at the end of the service, remember, you can stay tuned by all of the upcoming events at our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Also pay attention every Wednesday night. We do our Wednesday night gathering and communion by Zoom. And we'll also be updating on our website when we will be reopening services. We'll give you some more information. And as always, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Happy Father's Day. May the Lord bless you. Have a great day.